0: Leaders in both Benton and Washington counties will ask voters in November to approve tax increases to expand their county jails. They cite constant overcrowding and say it's one more side effect of a growing northwest Arkansas population. The proposal in Washington County is a quarter-cent temporary sales tax to raise $113.5 million to expand the jail and $28.5 million to add court space and other facilities to the juvenile detention center. In Benton County, a one-eighth cent temporary tax would fund a $206 million expansion of the jail, but the county is also asking for a permanent quarter-cent sales tax to fund ongoing operations of the jail. Not everyone is thrilled with the proposals. The folks at the Arkansas Justice Reform Coalition hopes voters will reject both proposals, and we spoke to them in a separate Speaking of Arkansas podcast, so be sure to check that out. I'm Greg Harton, your host, and in this episode of the Speaking of Arkansas podcast, Washington County Sheriff Tim Helder and Chief Deputy Jay Cantrell, who becomes the sheriff in January, discuss the expansion proposal in Washington County. We sat down in the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette podcast studio to discuss the jail expansion and their reasons for advocating an expanded jail in South Fayetteville. Here's that interview. So I'm here today with uh, Washington County Sheriff Tim Helder and Sheriff-Elect Jay Cantrell. And uh, we appreciate you being here to visit with us about the potential expansion of the Washington County Jail and all of the issues wrapped up in that. Um, Sheriff Helder, you've kind of started this ball rolling years ago with discussions of overcrowding at the jail which was built in 2004, or completed in 2004?
1: We moved in in 2005, March of 05.
0: Okay. And so we're 17, 18 years into this. um, And uh, five, six years ago, you started talking about overcrowding. Uh, So tell our listeners exactly what it is you are proposing, or that the quorum court has now uh, officially put on the ballot for November.
1: Thanks, Greg, first of all, for giving us an opportunity to at least talk about this important issue uh, for public safety. I mean, really, uh, I I think you referred to this topic coming up some time ago. I think the first time that we actually broached it at a quorum court meeting was in 2014. And we started explaining, you know, from a historical standpoint, what the expectations were, uh, even when it was built, how long it would take. And it was about a eight to 10 year span, 12 max. Well, we were already feeling the pain, uh, in, in 14. So we started the process process then in earnest, trying to work administratively within our own facility to try and manage that population in a responsible way. And, uh, uh, I think it was in 20, 17 it was apparent to us that we needed to do something so in 18 is whenever we made the run at the quorum court uh, the first time uh, to get it on the ballot to do an expansion Um, boy we hit a perfect storm uh, if you will we had uh, a court that was setting that we had educated we had been transparent we gave them information every meeting about what our needs were and and how critical it was. And uh, boy, we rolled up on election time and the setting court uh, on the night that we were voting to move it to the ballot, one member in particular said, I think that we ought to hand this off to the incoming court. And guess what? That's what they did. Well, the perfect storm I'm talking about was part of that, but then we just had a real shift in personalities. Uh, we we went from kind of a, you know, uh, equally balanced, you know, weighted heavily on one side to another, but to a really heavily balanced uh, conservative court, if you will. Well, in all fairness, uh, some of those guys had run on a platform, you know, hey, we got to get our arms around this, this county budget. And as you know, or may not know, the, the jail is a big part of that budget. And if you're not educated on the operation, the constitutional mandates and requirements, then on the outside looking in, you're probably going, this is an easy fix. You know, we can, we, we'll get our arms around this thing and no big deal, and we sure aren't going to pass a tax. That's another platform issue, no new taxes. So that's what we were handed uh, whenever they they uh, passed it on to the new court. Uh, in fact, rules were created with the court to not allow anything to move on to the full quorum court without first going through committee. Well, we, we couldn't get it out of committee, that discussion. It, it, and so it was a very frustrating time for us because we knew how critical uh, this was and that it wasn't going to get any better. So. We went back to the drawing board, trying to figure out how can we how can we convince this group of how critical this is for public safety, for way of life, culture within Northwest Arkansas that's growing so rapidly um, that we've got to do something. Well, it wasn't what was it a year and a half later that COVID hit. Nobody expected that. We've never we've never experienced that uh, in my forty three years. Anything. Uh, in law enforcement like that, especially not in a detention setting. Well, it was horrible. Uh, it, COVID was a horrible time in all of our lives. We were afraid. We were uneducated. We really didn't know what was going on. We were trying to educate ourselves. We were doing the best job we could, uh, to keep our detainees, uh, under good medical care. And, uh, Just as a byproduct, we ended up by, I think, last month, we had surpassed 13 or 1,400 active cases within our jail over that span of time, no deaths. Uh, The only hospitalization we had was one guy that just didn't want to avail himself to our medical process. All right, I said all that to to get back to how COVID affected uh, our population. It was a devastating event, but in a way it saved us because we were able to uh, decrease our population in such a significant way that it gave us some breathing room. We did that as responsibly as we could. We listened to our medical staff. We worked with the prosecutor's office and the courts to try and identify people that on the surface, their prior arrests, their current arrests were not violent. And so we released in mass a lot of people that were older. They had medical conditions, and and we got our numbers down. It was critical to get our numbers down for COVID, but if you'll also remember, we had a real downturn from the employment end of things. We we were working with no less than one shift short on people for a period of time. We got as high as mid-50s. Short of personnel in the jail, so that the COVID uh, decrease in population was timely, and uh, in a sense, we were grateful uh, to be able just to, just to catch our breath. Well, you know, we've we've kind of reported this back to the corn Court and the public, anybody that will listen. What we anticipated happening did in fact happen, whereas the the majority of people that were released were later uh, arrested for either subsequent law violations or uh, warrants issued for failing, failing to appear in court, which has contributed to our growing population again. So in 18, we were requesting it. We got a little respite in 20 in there. Now we find ourselves in 2022 uh, just unmanageable. I mean, it's our, our numbers are going up at such a rate that it's like a it's like a locomotive coming at you and there's no slowing it down. I mean, we've done everything that we can think of that's within our power um, to release people that we feel like will not uh, hurt people if they get out. Um, We're just at a point now that the numbers, they're just increasing at alarming rates. We've got to do something. I think I released my press release to get this thing out to the voters I think it was in uh, May, and our numbers then were holding around 750, unmanageable, probably 110% above uh, what the recommended uh, numbers are within a detention center, just by standards. What I mean by that, Greg, is that if we have 710 beds, then about 85% is our operational capacity for a safe and secure environment due to, you know, People being segregated, uh, classification issues, a, a variety of things. That was in May. Our numbers now are holding pretty steady, over 800. Uh, our high this week, this past week, was about 840 or 50, for no for no reason. We didn't have a home ball game. We didn't. It was a Wednesday, and we were overwhelmed. So there's really not anything you can point your finger at and say, "Wow, you know, let's get ready. You know, they're yeah. coming." And uh with our growing population, this this is not going to change.
0: So tell me just just to lay the groundwork here uh-huh. for the rest of our conversation, the the what will be on the ballot for people to consider?
1: Yes, sir. So uh, we worked with uh, the Quorum Court and finally got to a point where they they agreed to put the uh, jail expansion on the ballot. In the general election in November, um, Judge Wood uh, wanted to put on uh, a side initiative that would allow uh, a new court expansion or a court building for juvenile.
0: And uh, that's that's county judge. County judge, judge Wood, Joseph Wood, Joseph Wood. Uh-huh. not not a not a circuit judge. But, Correct. But, but. Yeah.
1: So the, in, in our world, constitutionally, the county judge is responsible for facilities, and that's and in Washington County is responsible for uh, the juvenile detention center and things that related to that. So other than our jail expansion, uh, we're asking for, uh, I think it was a hundred, uh, hundred million. And then, uh, there was 25 million additional for the, uh, juvenile, uh, issue. Now, if you remember back in, uh, I hate to keep going back and forth. I should be letting you ask the questions without me rambling, but here's the deal. In 18, when we made this proposal, we were looking at a a doubling of our facility, and we were looking in the range of 50 million to 60. And uh, so now we are four years later, and it virtually doubled, you know, just due to costs and. Uh, the inability to get people to work, and just the skyrocketing cost of construction. So uh, we're we're only four years removed, and the actual cost, if we had done it four years ago, would have been about half.
0: And so to fund the proposal, you're talking about a sales tax increase of a quarter cent. Is that correct? Yes, sir.
1: So what we are asking the citizens to do is to weigh in on this, become educated as to what is going on within our criminal justice system. Why is it that our detention center is so overwhelmed? And have we done everything that we can to get us to this point? And then on the ballot, what we're asking is that they pass a quarter cent sales tax that has a lifespan that will cover the payoff of the bond. And that's it. So there, there is a period of time that the tax will be uh, levied, and then there'll be a time when it goes away.
0: Okay. Um, I think we'll come back to the the tax and, and all of that a little bit later. But I wanted to ask just a question that's almost too simple for me to ask, maybe not for, to answer. But can you? You've talked before about how you have a responsibility. Both of you guys. You'll you'll be the sheriff yes, come sir. January. We'll have the Um, you have the responsibility to to accept people, hold people in jail, but you don't actually make the decisions about who comes to your jail. Um, uh, Obviously, sheriffs, deputies bring people, but other law enforcement uh, agencies are involved, uh, the courts. Just who sends people to jail?
1: Yeah. So, uh, well, all the law enforcement agencies within Washington County, um, that could be our what we refer to as our small towns. They're not so small anymore, but the Farmingtons, Prairie Grove, Lincoln's, West Fork, Elkins, everybody, and then your big two, Fayetteville and Springdale. And th- and that's a great uh, segue into this. We did not have to deal with Springdale's prisoners other than their felons um, in 18 when we were. They had a, a jail, if you'll recall. Well. They have since closed their facility, and that's another piece of this puzzle that we're being overwhelmed by. Is just the sheer numbers. They bring them in in vans uh, to the detention center, and uh, those are numbers that are probably around the eight, eight to ten thousand mark of actual bookends that uh, we've we've seen an increase every in.
0: every year. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And, and and so Springdale closed their jail a few years earlier. Fayetteville closed their jail. Why? You know, I, I hear sometimes from people saying, well, why did they let the cities close their jail if it was going to cause the county a problem?
1: Yeah, well, constitutionally, the sheriff is responsible. That, that's the business we're in, but uh, constitutionally, one of our three-pronged responsibilities is to run a detention center. The cities historically just did it because that was part of it, you know, and, and they had a jail. But from an uh, administrative and management standpoint, why would you run a jail if you weren't constitutionally mandated to do it? And I think that uh, from their perspective, it was very smart uh, to get out of that business. They're not experts in running a detention center. And I think you would agree that in this litigious society that we're in, uh, that's where most of our exposure comes from is, is in operating a jail or a detention center. So why did, you said, why did, we let them. I don't know who let them. I don't know how we could have prevented it. Um,
0: and, and they just reached a point where they they were not constitutionally mandated to do it, so they should close theirs down, and then yeah. the county jail is still there to, to yeah. handle it. For that. instance,
1: yeah. Springdale was in the process of, of building a new uh, police department and city administration building, and I can't blame them for this, but they just didn't want a jail to be a part of that process, right? Moving forward. Um, I don't. I just don't see where a city would want to keep a detention center. Sure. You know. Uh, so,
0: so we started in on this talking about the cities. The smaller and larger cities send people to jail. Mm-hmm. Who else sends people to jail? Well, it's a, it's
1: so to send people to jail. We do have a contract with uh, the Marshal Service. Okay. And so we have a very uh, good relationship with them. We also have felt like, and we've articulated this to people that would argue that we shouldn't be involved in that relationship, that we actually should. Uh, The people that are being arrested in Northwest Arkansas, both Benton, Washington, Madison counties, most of those cases that the feds pick up are transfers because a variety of reasons. But generally, it's they can get uh, uh, better sentencing Guidelines, you know, from a law enforcement perspective. So they're picking up a lot of cases that are worked by local law enforcement. Um, the crimes are committed locally, uh, their family is local, and from a budgetary standpoint, fiduciary responsibility, we get paid uh, to keep them. So it's kind of a, a multi pronged uh, approach and look at that issue. Um, I, I feel like it's a good thing that we continue that relationship. We also have within our facility uh, state inmates for a variety of reasons. They've either been convicted here and they're waiting on bed space. They've been violated uh, by their parole officer. And we've also, in the last several years, maybe three or four out of one of the commissions that the governor called come up with this 90-day uh, violator. and. Uh, this, this may go in a direction you don't want to go to, but I said on that committee, and when we made that decision, it was our recommendation that the state would create regional holding facilities, and then the 90-day stint would work, because that's all they would hold, were these short-time uh, violators that then could be released back into their, their county of origin, if you will. Well, they got half of it right. They created the 90-day, portion of the law to allow uh, parole violators to do their time, but guess who's the regional holding facility? It's the sheriff's offices across the state. The county jails are holding these folks, so it's if you can't tell, that's a little point of angst for me, but anyway, so there's that, and then uh, Jay, jump in. I may be missing...
2: Well, the Arkansas State Police... Uh, bring people to jail. The University of Arkansas Police Department brings people to jail. Uh, Any law enforcement entity in Washington County, parole and probation, game and fish on occasion. So multiple contributors to to the jail population in Washington County, in addition to the two big cities and the ten small cities.
0: And then you've got
2: some that are, you know, they were arrested
0: at some point, but they're really the responsibility of the courts that, that they haven't been convicted of anything yet. But that but they get sent to your jail, right? Correct. Um,
1: so every arrest, whether it's misdemeanor or uh, felony, would generally come and be booked in to the Washington county jail if the, if they're arrested in Washington County. Since all the overcrowding issues, we've been working night and day trying to figure out ways to responsibly release these people and get some relief for our detention folks in our intake area. So we ha- I have constitutionally the ability to release misdemeanants. So we're basically over the last several years we don't hold misdemeanants. There may be special circumstances where there's a handful that a domestic battery or a judge has a special circumstance. Mm-hmm. So we try to work within that, but v- I'm talking about a handful of people. Um, we've created the ability through the prosecutor's office with the buy-in from the circuit judges, especially during COVID, where we could release people roadside on certain felonies that they were nonviolent, that they were not repeat offenders. um, And even if they didn't do it roadside, we could do it at the jail. Um, And then for others that uh, are a, maybe don't fit that criteria. We have the ability and have exercises to work with our prosecuting attorney uh, to get felony sites. We-
0: Citations? Uh, citations, okay. I'm
1: sorry. And um, which doesn't require them to post bond. We're able to get them out of, out of jail. We have created internally a uh, pretrial release program um, where we've got two employees that their whole time is spent identifying uh, certain people that are in our facility that meet our criteria that they 99% of the time they wouldn't be a threat to society as far as uh, physical harm and so we started our own ankle monitoring program we are doing everything within our our realm of uh, ability, if you will, to lessen our population, but we are, when you talk about the criminal justice system, Greg, uh, we are at the end of the uh, spillway, if you will, and I like to refer to us as a dam, you know, at the bottom. So everything that happens everywhere else, we're the catchment area. And, of course, now we're, you know, the water's rising and it's, it's getting to a, just an unattainable point. Um, and we got too many people with fingers in the dike, you know, trying to trying to keep it from imploding or blowing up. But, you you know, um, and
0: that, that, that kind of gets to my, my next question, which is, uh, you know, if you, you're bringing forward a, a jail proposal, because that's kind of within your area of responsibility um, if you want to go out and start a program uh, that uh, where the court sends somebody instead of jail they send them to uh, to uh, mental health or to uh, some sort of treatment center is that within your control do you get to make those decisions not if
1: they're Not
0: if they're a felon that doesn't meet that criteria.
1: Now, I can call and make requests and say this person fits criteria that could better benefit by mental health treatment. Um, We work hand-in-hand with the CSU program that's finally is back up and running, and we're happy about that. But those aren't big numbers for us, you know, 16 beds, and and, uh, so we get to utilize it and and relieve some of our stress when we have uh, an acute Mental illness uh, in our facility—it's one bed, but it's it's very manpower intensive for our folks who are all equipped to, to deal with that. We do have a medical team on board, but it's it's the detention officers that have to clean up the mess and, and deal with with people of that nature. So I may have chased a rabbit somewhere that you weren't intending to go, but I think I've probably laid out for you where I do have the ability. Uh, to help uh, relieve our our population, but that's it's and, very limited. And
0: my point with the question is that, and I'm I'm not trying to let you off the hook, but I might uh, accomplish that. Okay. But um, you know, as sheriff, it seems like you've you've got to figure out how to hold people that are sent to you. It seems to me that a lot of the programs that are being discussed about alternative sentencing, those sorts of things, that's really a function of the courts. Am I Am I wrong? No, that's correct. So, and I know judges are kind of a different kind of animal, because most of the time, they're not out front and center on public policy issues. They're they're kind of in their court and doing their, their thing. But where are the judges in this? You know, if, if, the, if the comments are, which you've heard from, from the folks who feel like, you know, that, that there just hasn't been enough done to reduce the population before we go spending millions of dollars on an expansion, if, if you accept that, that some of that's true, is that not the judges that need to be out here explaining why it is? that we need jail space as opposed to alternative programs? Yeah, and
1: it's probably a bigger issue than this, the judge saying we're going to do this alternative program and this, not this one. Um, I think the judges have certain mandates by statute that tells them, you know, who, who who can, who can we release, who can we work with, and what is the criteria for setting bond? Now, is there criteria in there for doing an alternative sentencing or program? There may be, but that's a question you may have to ask the judges. But I would have to agree with you that they would weigh heavily in on that part of the process. But, you know, the criminal justice system is a big—it's the judges, it's the prosecutors, the public defenders, private attorneys— working our way all the way through parole and probation and coming on down to the jail, Uh, we've, we've been working with that group for the last year and a half, two years, trying to come up with different solutions to help us not get to this point or to at least work within that process to figure out if we have to have an expansion, how do we incorporate some of these services that maybe you just mentioned within our facility. Greg, because one of the things that's not talked about now that probably the opponents, uh, at least from a uh, social standpoint, is that they people can't get their treatment. They can't see the NA or AA or continuing ed person or mental health. The reality is we don't have space to provide the opportunity for our detainees to achieve that kind of treatment in-house. I think well, that I'm we should work hand-in-hand hand to, to build an expansion, but also to make sure that we stay the course on making sure we have available space to help people reenter life.
0: Yeah, I think the challenge with what you're talking about, the in-house thing, is, is those people still have to be in jail to access that. So I, I, it seems to me that the, the, the proponents of the alternative sentencing would not, would not embrace the idea of let's do more programs for people who are being held in jail, but let's do programs that help people stay out of jail.
1: Well, you're going to drag me into that. So I'm going I'm to go ahead and tell you that when people make those statements that we ought to just release everybody and that the government ought to redirect dollars and personnel and resources to do all this other stuff, and mass release. I think it's irresponsible. I I think for anybody to believe that the world we live in is a Pollyanna environment, that people are just good. The people that we're dealing with uh, that are in jail are just, you know, they made a bad decision. Well, I I don't disagree, you know, but they continue to make uh, poor decisions. They continue repeatedly over time to burn bridges that's why they can't make bond. the majority of folks is that people have given up you know of being uh burned you know and let's talk about some of those releases how about the young lady that was released during this time because that person did not have any prior violent acts But you know what she did have was a lot of prior poor decisions and violations of law. So we released somebody that has no intention of abiding by the rules of the land and continually makes poor decisions and a Pea Ridge officer was killed as a result of that. Come on, I mean, just because they don't have a violent offense on their lengthy record doesn't mean they don't have the potential to commit one. I, I think that we are a country of rules and laws and it is our responsibility to make sure that when our great law enforcement community identifies people that are violating those rules and laws, they have got to have somewhere to hold them. Our judges, the criminal justice system has to have somewhere when somebody that they believe needs to be in jail, we got to have space for these folks. So I just, uh, I don't want to live in uh, the Northeast. I don't want to live in the West or wherever they keep telling us that if you'll just implement these things, man, it's great. No, it's not. It's not. Just talk to the law enforcement in those communities. It's not a great environment. So as the
0: sheriff-elect, tell me your thoughts on, you know, what... What, in your mind, is the risk to the community if there's not additional space at the jail? Um, uh, you know, and and you know we've got this discussion about the alternatives and how we you know we can supposedly do these things without pouring more concrete and spending you know a hundred million dollars. Um, you know, do, do you buy any of that? And do you um, uh, are there? What consequences are there to not building an an expanded jail?
2: Well, Greg, I think that uh, the the judges have to have a place to hold people accountable. And I'm all for these pretrial services and people that uh, uh, meet the criteria to go out and try to make themselves better and to keep working and keep paying taxes and uh, go to their appointed court dates. But what we're finding is more and more people are – just uh, for whatever reason, don't go to court, get more charges when they're out uh, on their own recognizance, and then come back to jail. And I think the judges have to have a place to sanction these people quickly and severely, uh, a hard sanction to get their attention right away. And right now, we don't have that. Uh, You talk to any of the district judges who have the um, misdemeanor offenders come in and have 10 or 12 or 15 failure to appears and they know that the judge has no place to sanction them. They know they're not going to have to go do 20 or 30 or 50 days in the county jail uh, because there is no space in the county jail. So they just kind of thumb their nose at the whole criminal justice system. So so uh, it's our belief that, that you've got to have a place. Now, not everybody belongs in jail, but uh, I think we've got some numbers that about, uh, on average, of our current population, uh, on average, they've been here 8.1 times. Uh, previously into the what that's just the washington county jail not anybody else's jail so so you know we, we're seeing repeat offender after repeat offender just keep coming back to jail and uh, at some point you got to say enough's enough and uh, you know the the i think the citizens the, the citizens of this county want people held accountable and i think the judges want to hold people accountable and i think it's the sheriff's responsibility to hold these people i think uh, as you said earlier, we don't have much choice on how we release or who we can release, particularly the felons. So uh, we're kind of stuck with it. Uh, whenever you said that, it made me think about, uh, and the sheriff said, we're the dam, uh, kind of holding back the water. And, and so as long as things are coming in downstream and trickling uh, upstream and, and going downstream, it's good. But then the Department of Correction gets COVID in their intake facility, and they shut it down for two weeks or three weeks. Then there's no, there's no relief. They're still coming upstream, but they're not going out downstream, and our population swells, so uh, the public defenders are overworked. Uh, the time to get to trial is, is much too long. We've got to figure out some way to, to shorten that time to get people before the judge, get, them, get their trial, and uh, figure out what wh- whether they're going to go to prison or get probation or whatever they're going to get. But they're just languishing in jail right now. So uh, if, if that's where we're at, then you know the sheriff's got to have a place to... How's those felons that keep coming, and so we're we're kind of uh, at that, and that at that point that, yeah, that we're going to have to do something to get more jail beds.
0: And and that touches on kind of I think what I mentioned earlier, which is, you know, this the the, the argument as I understand it, which I, I may not understand it fully, but the argument is, you know, that there there has to be. Um, uh, a better alternative to, to kind of getting at the root causes of crime, as opposed to simply putting people in jail because our judicial system is not functioning at the level of efficiency that it should, um, you know, it, it, is that just wrong? I mean, it, it, if, if our judicial system was functioning better, would Washington County need an expanded jail?
2: Go ahead. Well, just based on our population, our current numbers of people moving into this area, yes, we're going to have to expand our jail. We've expanded our hospitals and our schools, and, uh, you know, we're going to double in a the population they predict in uh, by 2040. So, so I think uh, uh, by virtue of the people coming in, we're going to have to expand all county services uh, at some point just to accommodate the population that's coming. That includes the jail. Uh, I, th- I think that we're going to have to have bed space. I think we have to be careful in how we allocate it. But, uh, you know, we can't just say, well, we'll build 1,000 beds and then we'll just, you know, bring 1,000 people in. But uh, but I think we have to have a place uh, to house these people that that are uh, continually thumbing their nose at the law. I think the sheriff said, we're a nation of rules and laws. And if we're going to continue to be that nation of rules and laws, then we've got to have a place uh, to house them.
0: Yeah, I've, I've heard the comment. Said, well, if we build a jail, we're just going to incarcerate more people. And, and as I understand what you guys are saying today, it's we're kind of past that point. You know that we've been holding off on this for a while now. And as you cite with hospitals and schools and all that, why, why would we? Why, why would the expectation be that the jail be the
2: only thing that stays static? Because it's very expensive yeah. to build jails. Yeah. it's very expensive to hold people in jail. Yeah. Uh, there is zero uh, return on your investment. Yeah. or not zero. You know, you might you might re, you can rehabilitate some of these people, but uh, most of that rehabilitation should take place at the Department of Corrections. That's what the that's what it was designed for. That's what you know we, we set these sentences and we we uh, make certain things a crime and we set a period of uh, sentence of time that you're going to have to serve for violating that and then, then we try to rehabilitate them and try to get them a set of job skills or, or something, uh, you know, these pretrial services will maybe help get them to trial. But, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> I joke with the sheriff a lot. You know, we've got a, a near 100% record of getting people to court that are in jail It's the people that are out of jail we're having trouble getting to court. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I can see that. <laughs> so, so, you know, we, we, do, we talk tongue-in-cheek about that. But obviously we can't have everybody in jail, but, you know, um, Part of what we talked about was uh, the sheriff and I talk a lot about the the bail bond industry, like them or not, they're still part of the criminal justice system. If somebody's out on a bail bond, if a bail bondsman puts up the money for them to get out of jail, there's some oversight there. There's somebody watching over, making sure that, hey, have you moved? Are you still there? They contact them weekly or however often they choose, and they make sure they're at court. They've they've got a financial incentive to to get them to court. Uh, w- when we release these people on their own recognizance, there's really not that hand-holding, there's really not that uh, oversight to uh, help them with those gentle reminders to, you know, if you don't come to court, I'm going to come find you wherever you're at and bring you back to jail. I wanted to come back to the tax that we talked about
0: earlier, the quarter cent uh, that's on the ballot. Uh, you mentioned it's, a, it's, it's there until it's built and paid for, and then it's gone. Uh, can Washington County really afford to operate an expanded jail? So we've had uh,
1: a lot of conversation on that uh, with our finance chair and chairman of our, our committee, the jail law enforcement. The, I think the belief is that the, the sense of urgency is to make sure that we get going on expansion of space. If we were to turn ground on this thing in January, it would be two and a half, three years before we could occupy any space. And I'm, I believe that uh, the legislative branch of county government, at least, have expressed to me that they believe that uh, with our population growth, with business growth, our tax base is going to grow. And I think they have a plan to kind of start building that, that money as we grow into the jail if it opens in three years, Greg, you know very well, we can't just, you know, it's going to be full. That'll be a process also where we, we kind of slide in with some people that are sleeping on the floor and then it it will grow kind of systematically. And then the hiring of personnel, the expansion of food services, of medical, it will grow also. So we're probably talking about a, a five-year plan, maybe even six or seven, as far as really growing into it to where it's the, we're going to recognize the full cost of operation. That's about as good as I can do, unless Jay's got Well, no, in in 2005,
2: when we moved into the current jail, we had released down and and got our numbers down. We moved in with 200 people. And then it probably took us, well, you know, in 2015, we started talking about, all right, we're getting full, we're getting full. So 10 years to kind of get to that point uh, as we kind of crept up our numbers. So so it's not going to happen overnight uh, you know and then and then we think that there's some economy of scale you know the bigger you get the uh, the, the more economy you can get from that scale buy food and stuff at a cheaper rate uh, uniforms and just like walmart you know with with their buying potential uh, the, the bigger we are uh, the bigger uh, volume we can purchase at a time and uh, get get some economy there so um,
0: so can you guys staff a jail an expanded jail
2: we're guardedly optimistic, and Jay
1: can speak to this maybe or just kind of tag on to what I say, but I explained to you the, the drought of employees that we went through during COVID. We have turned a corner. Uh, I, I do want to give credit where credit's due, and our, our court listened to us. We were uh, rewarding our detention officers with premium pay through the COVID uh, issue. You're talking about the quorum court. I'm talking about yeah. the quorum court. Yeah. And uh, so we we were rewarding this Underrecognized group of our employees that that were in the trenches throughout this thing, by giving them an increased wage throughout that. But we were also warning them it's going to go away, you know, because there's a there's a starting point and an ending point with that premium pay. And uh, true to their word, uh, we were able to go to them during this uh, this year and uh, just say we're getting ready to get to that point, and they raised the their pay to a point that I never would have believed it before. I'm old school where there's three or four different things in the work environment that draw people in. But in this case, the, the money did it. We went from being about 50 down, start of the year, we are now under 20 for the first time in probably four years. So people are coming back to work, but we're also getting better quality applicants I, would, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that we'll be fully staffed by the first of the year shortly thereafter in our detention center. So having said that, I think that we're on the road to thinking positively that, yes, I think we can. I think we can staff a new facility. Jay, you may have different thoughts. I don't know.
2: I, th- I think that uh, we've seen that turn, and we're excited for uh, the future. And what else? We've kind of rethought re- how we recruit people in, in the past, we would just let them come to us. Now we're kind of targeting the people we think will make good, uh, uh, solid deputy sheriffs and kind of going out and because uh, we, we, we know that not everyone is going to take a college path. Uh, so, so we've identified some uh, folks within the school systems because, you know, in the jail system, we can hire someone at 18. So targeting maybe some of the uh, football coaches, the basketball, baseball coaches, Kids with that good, solid work ethic that have that team mentality that may not be going to go to college, but still are good kids, good, solid kids that want a good, well-paying job that, that they can make into a career, kind of target some of those people and get them up, give them a tour, let them kind of talk to some of their, because you know, most of them have a friend or something or know somebody or sure. know somebody that's there. So, so uh, I think that's helping, you know, kind of the way we're recruiting and, and who we're looking for. And, and, uh, so we're optimistic.
0: Okay. And, and my brain's catching up to, to your previous answer about the, the tax and, and helping to pay for operation of the jail. Um, I mean, it sounds like the answer is we're, we'll get to that later. We, we, we don't, I mean, there's not a firm plan for how to pay for the operation of an expanded jail as part of this package. You're talking about the operational cost. Operational cost of an expanded jail after you pay for it with this quarter cent tax that then goes away.
1: Yeah, it might be oversimplification to say that there there isn't a plan. I, I think that there is a plan. Now, whether it's can predict accurately what the future holds, probably not. Um, would Jay and I sitting here have preferred that we had a, uh, a tax that would, part of it would sunset at the retirement of the bond and then some of it go on like we currently have? Right. Absolutely. Because that way we would know uh, what that looked like. Um, and I mean, just to be transparent, if they get, you know, six, seven years down the road and it appears that they need additional, then they can go back to the voters and, and say, hey, you know, we've, we've tried, we've exercised all options. This was a last resort. So maybe that could happen. I don't, I don't think anybody's anticipating that happens, but I want to make sure everybody's aware of what could happen.
0: And you say that there's a plan who, who, who holds this magical plan? Well, (laughs) I think the,
1: it's, it's the jail and law enforcement subcommittee,
0: our committee, Of of the quorum
1: court? Of the quorum court, I'm sorry. And then, uh, you know, and our uh, assistant chair, vice chair of that committee is also the chairman of finance. And just in separate conversations, I I just believe that there's a level of buy-in at that level that they believe that with our continued growth, tax collection growth, uh, all the things associated with that—that that we 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 can pull this off. Um, I'm all ears.
0: Yeah, yeah. Maybe they'll be in office when it has to happen. Uh, who knows? <laughs> it, yeah, it's a, uh, it's it's tough in the in the quorum court business because, like you talked about earlier, you never know when it's going to have a big changeover. Correct. Um, okay. Anything else about the jail uh, expansion? Uh, what's what's the fundamental thing that? Uh, you want taxpayers out there to understand when they go to the polls?
1: Well, we can look within the state and we can look at uh, other county jails, detention centers that are overrun and there's mass release going on and and experiencing shootings uh, and violent crime at a a very high rate. Little Rock is, I think they're experiencing about a shooting a day at the, at the rate they're on now. Just a weekend or two ago, they were in the teens and the number of, of shootings that took place. I, I think my message to the voters in Washington County and business people is that if you like quality of life here, if you have an appreciation for public safety and what we bring to the table there is an investment required, and that is to expand this jail to make sure that when our awesome law enforcement representatives bring people to jail, they go through the process of court, that there is space to hold people that need to be held. And I think this is our opportunity uh, to get that done, Greg.
0: Okay. Well, gentlemen, I sure appreciate you uh, coming to visit with us and uh, answering these questions. And I guess we'll see on November, what is it? November 8th? Or I can't remember what election day is. Anyway, in November, and uh, you can read the uh, Northwest Arkansas Democratic Gazette to learn plenty more between now and then about this issue. Benton County's facing similar jail expansion discussions, so lots to... Lots to learn and try to not get confused between the two counties. But, uh, gentlemen, I appreciate your time.
2: Thank you, Greg. Thank you, Greg.
0: This Speaking of Arkansas podcast is a presentation of the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. You can find this podcast on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, and other podcast platforms. As always, you can also find the full universe of our podcasts at nwaonline.com podcast. Be sure to hit the subscribe button so you'll know when future episodes of Speaking of Arkansas become available. And as always, thanks for listening.